It is the Matt Mosley Show, and it is our uh, weekly visit with Curtis Quillen, uh, sports director at Channel 6, chilling with Quillen. And um, Curtis, uh, you can hear him right now. He's shuffling through some papers. He's, he's looking. He's getting his notes together. I think he's been attending some kind of uh, – I mean, Curtis, if this is truly your off day, why are you having to go to, like, training for something or, or like a – like a storytelling meeting. I mean, that should that does not sound like an off day to me. You know, I actually asked to to do it, and so I had signed mm. up for it before they told us the date. Um, and yeah. it was just something that I could do while I was, you know, doing some stuff around the house and uh, pay attention oh, okay. to the Zoom and throw it up on the TV while I'm cleaning the kitchen, stuff like that. So, you know, just uh, trying to unwind a little bit, but always trying to get better and trying to uh, trying to improve the uh, the stories I tell because. You know, for to me, that's that's what it's all about is doing justice to the people who uh, who are sharing their stories. Yeah, and you know, trying to keep up with the people who are constantly there to capture people reading Berenstain Bears books. All right, exactly. <laughs> okay, it is. Uh, okay, Curtis, let's get right in here though. We've got breaking news, and um, so uh, earlier today we got to visit with. Um, with Tyler Beatty and uh, uh, the exciting yeah. news that uh, that he is the new head coach has been uh, promoted. Uh, uh, Curtis, uh, you you confirmed that news. In fact, uh, earlier today, what um, what what do you what do you think about the move? It, it obviously had to be a a highly coveted spot for a for a program that has had so much success. Uh, under the Bell family, Brian Bell, most recently, what um, what what did you what did you make of this hire? You know, I loved uh, loved the hire. I thought that you know keeping it internal was a genius move um, because you don't want to fix what's not broken, right? And this clearly isn't broken. They're just trying to spring just won a uh, state championship, and I think a lot of stuff kind of rolled the Cougars favor, even going back to realignment two years ago, Matt. I mean, it, I don't want to sit here and pretend like uh, so many 5A drop downs to 4A kind of jumped the line for division one versus division two. I don't want to sit here and pretend like that didn't work in the Cougars favor because it absolutely did. But I don't think it's the entirety of what won that state championship for China spring. I think a lot of that was still, and you still have to go out and you still have to win the football games. Um, and they were able to do it. And a lot of the reason why was that defense. And so it doesn't shock me that Josh Gregory, the AD there in China spring went with, uh, went with a defensive guy. No, it doesn't at all. And you look at the resume that uh, coach Beatty's put together and he's got a, he's got a really good resume, you know, looking at, um, when I texted Coach Gregory this morning saying, asking for confirmation, essentially, uh, he sent me that same graphic that everybody was tweeting out uh, this morning. And you start reading it, and, man, some of the stuff just pops off of the page. The fact that, you know, he was, a, uh, he was an offensive assistant for, in Mejia, and then he was an offensive coordinator at Side Park. Well, he was outside linebackers coach at, um, at China Spring. And so – the fact of the matter is this is a guy who's got experience on both sides of the ball. And when you think back to what made Matt rule so successful in his time at Baylor, Matt, the thing that pops off the, the screen to me with coach rule was also that he had experience coaching both sides of the ball. 
Am I saying Tyler Beatty is going to be the next Matt Rule? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this was a very savvy, very savvy hire, um, and I love I love the move um, to put Coach Beatty in charge. I think you should um, go ahead and make that statement that he is the next Matt Rule, and then I, then we need Coach Beatty to like be flirting with other jobs after every season, and then I, it would really be the full <laughs> the full comparison. But uh, I think yeah, I'd get I get uh, hard from China Spring. <laughs> 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 that's right the um it's it, it it is interesting i thought a rule too when you were just saying that you were saying hey this position this position he's he's got a uh he's got a good background he's a young guy i mean i uh i was trying to do that in my head does that make him what about 32 33 years old does that sound about right i, I was trying so. to do everything yeah. in relation he, he to how old young. i am yeah and um Man, that's a uh, it's a big time program, and uh, so much to uh, you know when you when you want to kind of try to keep that thing going, um, and and I'm just wondering like uh, how much I mean they they could have gone a lot of different ways here. I like that you think it's a genius move. Um, do you think do you think Coach Bell on his way out? Do you think even Sean? Do you think that the dad? Uh, do you think? Um, do you think that they were speaking on uh, Coach Beatty's behalf? You know, I bet I bet Brian gave him one heck of a recommendation, and I would say the same for Mark. Um, you know that that those are that's a family that Bell family has so much uh, respect for that community that I bet whenever uh, Brian Bell told him, uh, "Hey, I'm going to take this job at Baylor, so I'm going to step down here," that he said, "I don't know if you want my recommendation, but." here it is just in case now matt I'm, I'm i'm not reporting that like that's just my speculation of what yeah. i would imagine happened um and then obviously you still want to go through the interview process because like you said that's a highly coveted job so mm-hmm. there's going to be you know five a six a coordinators who are coming after that job there's going to be two a three a head coaches who are coming after that job um and you got to make sure that the move that you're making is the right one and so, yeah, I think that they had a little bit of say, like, hey, I think he'd be really good at this. But at the end of the day, like, they didn't make the decision, I don't think. Yeah, I have to wonder if uh, Mark Bell looked at uh, Kevin Hoffman, changed his mind recently, the great Biles out there just continuing 40 years into this thing to get, get it done, and he thought maybe he would uh, <laughs> come right out of retirement. But uh, you know, but I, think... I see, I see Mark at all these places. He's got this big smile on his face. He doesn't have to deal directly with the pressure of winning and losing. And you see how much he's enjoying watching his sons have so much yeah. success as coaches, and just being able to watch from the sidelines and be a dad and be a grandfather. Uh, I think, and I knew Coach Bell whenever my first two seasons here. Um, at KCEN, he was still the head coach there at China Spring, and uh, he and Jessica Mori had got along really well. And I worked really closely with Jessica, and so I got to know Coach Bell. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he and I were close, but I got to know him decently well. And you can just tell that 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 smile is different whenever you're not the one who's who is staying up late at night because of the lock. Yeah, yeah, I think that does happen, and uh, some people are scared of retirement and some people embrace it. And then some people, you know, retire for like a week and then are back on the, the job. It is, uh, 
the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. Chilling with Quillen, Curtis Quillen on with us. Curtis, I, I enjoyed the uh, some of y'all's coverage, some of the local TV coverage of uh, MCC getting ready to roll here after uh, a national championship. Got to see some of the new signage out there, the ballpark. This is a uh, it's a really great way to open the season against uh, Navarro, uh, and one of the both of these are, are two of the the, the greatest uh, 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 JUCO programs in the uh, in the country. Uh, for for a lot of years, what uh, what what's been the vibe around uh, Mitch's program as they get ready to defend that title? You know the vibe around the program when I was out there on uh, I want to say it was Wednesday that I went out to practice. It was very much a hey the target just keeps getting bigger on our backs. I mean let's be honest, even before they won the national championship, that program. People want to beat McLennan. They just do that. I mean, that's the program uh, in the state of Texas that has done um, done so much in the past. Gosh, I've been. This is my sixth year covering them. And think about it. They've been to two College World Series. They were top five team whenever the world got shut down in 2020. And uh, talking to to Mitch, uh, he, he makes it very clear that. He was so confident in that 2020 ball club that he felt like if COVID hadn't shut down uh, sports in the spring of 2020, he's confident that he would they'd be a two-time reigning national champion going into this year. And honestly, you look at that roster in 2020, and you have to think that he's right. And I think the rest of the junior college baseball world kind of sees what the potential uh, that he has because, you know, that kind of roster and that kind of success they have before COVID shuts everything down and then they lose a couple of guys and then what happens next? Oh, they win a national championship. You're telling me that's not going to help in recruiting. And so he, he mentioned that they don't talk about repeating as much as having that success and trying to, you know, leave their mark on this program, make sure, you know, go to their own world series, win their own championships in the conference, in the region, uh, and then nationally. And the vibe is very much around the program that they know what they can do. And they know how to do it, and it's just a matter of going out and doing it now. All right, you know, I'd like what I'd like to do is, uh, uh, Curtis. It, this would be hard because of the very nature of uh, of MCC. You know that uh, uh, it's uh, it, you know they're uh, they're two year in nature, but I once Texas and Oklahoma leave, could we just add MCC to the Big Twelve baseball? Don't you think they would? I think they would fit in just fine. Like I, I, I was trying to think like what MCC would be ranked in the preseason. Baylor's ranked fifth. I, I, I could see MCC kind of right around there, maybe middle of the conference, or maybe even higher than that. Is that is that a? Uh, am I going too far there? You know, I don't think so, but I think a lot of that comes to the fact that you look at the rankings and you listen to Craig McMurtry and to Mitch Thompson, and, you know, they equate the North Texas Conference and junior college baseball to the SEC in football. It's just so loaded, yeah. and it's going to yeah. beat up on itself every day. Um, that I think, I think that that's what plays a lot into it. I don't think it's necessarily a knock against them and what they've lost. I think it's just, you know, the, the realities of the world that they live in. Yeah, 
All right, I uh, if, if, for, for anybody thinking Mosley's trying to get MCC into the Big 12, we're just having fun here. No, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, SMU <laughs> will 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 be in the Big 12, I think, probably may have a better shot at it than uh, than MCC. Okay, Curtis Quillen on our weekly visit. We try to do this every Friday, even on Curtis's rare off days, and uh, where he has Nikki or Matt anchoring and, and trying to hold down the fort. Uh, now, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting weekend. Um, I, I kind of want to focus because this Big 12 SEC challenge, It I Curtis, I used to not like it. I thought it was weird just in the middle of the season to drop everything and go play somebody, you know, that you don't even really have that much history with or anything. It's grown on me a little bit because some of the matchups are kind of fun. Baylor goes to Tuscaloosa to take on Alabama. Now, we all know Alabama is not a, you know, basketball school, although I think this coach has kind of at least gotten the fandom excited, and they've had some success there. This is, um, this is a Baylor team that's kind of starting to, to get things rolling a little bit. Of all these games, Curtis, it, obviously we're going to look at, you're going to look at wherever Oklahoma State's playing, um, and Baylor, what, what do you? Which of these games intrigues you the most of this uh, this SEC Big Twelve challenge? If we're talking strictly basketball, the most intriguing game, and nothing off the floor, the most intriguing game is Kansas Kentucky because is Kansas a legit national championship contender, and has Kentucky been able to figure out uh, some of what went wrong in the early part of the season? Um, and I think that that would go a long way to shaping what the seed lines might look like come, you know, March uh, 13th on Selection Sunday. If we're talking most intriguing storylines, it is absolutely, and there is no other correct answer, Rick Barnes returning to Austin because he has not been back since Texas fired him in 2015 uh, in that Tennessee-Texas game. Look, man, I'm with you. I think the timing uh, – Normally, some of the games are, some of the matches are so much better that I don't mind that it's at, in in the uh, the middle of conference season because I think that it presents so many cool opportunities to see some really good non conference matchups. When some of the games, let's be honest, are getting a little monotonous because sometimes you get into conference play and it's a lot less of a roller coaster, more of a let's just finish the ride. But this kind of challenge, you know, normally presents those those uh, interesting matchups but Matt frankly I think that when they did the preseason expectations and to set the schedule because that's what they're doing this on they want competitive matchups they don't want to put Baylor against Vanderbilt nobody benefits in that game and we know how that's going to go they don't at the same time they don't want to put Kentucky against Kansas State or TCU so they're doing it kind of on a competitive balance thing and honestly, they did some of these matchups based on preseason expectations. I don't think all, anyone expected Auburn to be the number one team in the country at this point, but, you know, they've earned it. Like, they clearly have the best resume in the country at this point. Um, I don't think anybody expected Texas to be so wildly inconsistent um, like it is right now. And I don't think anyone expected Alabama to go from having some of the best defensive numbers in the country last year to what it is now, where if it can't make threes, it starts to struggle because its defensive numbers are not what they used to be there. You watch Alabama guard and the, uh, the Crimson Tide doesn't guard the, the way that it, it did last season. And so there's a lot of things that have unfolded throughout the season that make you think that, okay, 
Are there going to be any good games in this year's Big 12 SEC Challenge? And obviously there will be some because that's the nature of basketball. But on paper, there's only two, maybe three that are really interesting. The third being Oklahoma State and Florida. But Oklahoma State's not tournament eligible. So that can only help mm-hmm. that can only help the Big 12's case and hurt the SEC's case. Because yeah. if you have a team that comes out, finishes 500 or better in the Big 12, who's not eligible for the tournament, you know, the committee might look strongly upon the Big 12 for this season and next season. And it might hurt Florida's NCAA tournament resume. You lost to a team that's ineligible for the tournament for non-basketball reasons. And so I, it's, it's a weak Big 12 SEC challenge slate, but not for the schedule makers' fault. I think that things just unfolded in ways that were not necessarily predictable at the beginning of the season. Uh, but I normally love this. A few years ago, uh, right before uh, you know, January 2020, one of my uh, clo- closest friends, he's a groomsman in my wedding. It, he's, a, he's an Aggie. He, he graduated from A&M, he, and his whole family graduated from A&M. He and I went and got tickets to go see the Oklahoma State-Texas A&M game in a year where those two teams combined to finish like second to last from their conference <laughs> or in their conference. And it was one of the worst basketball games I had ever there are some just but it was so much fun uh to be able to just go watch the game and because they do such a good job normally of predicting like where these games are going to fall and Matt to put it into perspective that was the year where we you know Baylor gets on the plane to go to Gainesville and we're all standing there thinking okay this is kind of the this is the opportunity that Baylor needs at this point in the season to say okay this is a legit team I think it had already beat Kansas once. I think it had already beat Villanova, but you know, it's late January or early February and you're standing there or you're thinking, okay, it'd be really great if Baylor has that in its back pocket, a win over a really good Florida team at the time on the road to kind of prove, Hey, Kansas wasn't a fluke. Villanova wasn't a fluke. We can do it at home. We can do it on the road. We can do it on the road, out of conference against somebody we only see like once every four years. Well, I tell you, uh, it's uh, and I'll just leave you with one nugget uh, since you're not anchoring tonight that you can you can share with your your folks, your uh, your talented staff. Uh, And this comes via Fran Fraschilla sent me this earlier today. I asked him if Tennessee was any good, all right, because uh, they're obviously playing Texas. You're so inconsistent. And uh, he said, yes, four of five losses to top ten in net rankings. You know, net's a big deal now that they talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, anyway, just a little nugget. Uh, Curtis, I'm always here for you. Thank you for doing this, man. And uh, I hope one thing, I hope, to, uh, I hope you continue to learn about storytelling and I, I felt like you told some good stories during this segment, so I appreciate you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend, brother. There he goes. Curtis Quillen, it is chilling with Quillen. And, of course, we need to talk about um, uh, big decision. Uh, Jerry Jones goes on today and makes it official. Mike McCarthy is back. We discuss it next. <laughs> 